Hello everyone, it's Adasha Townsend of the Feast and Fashion Podcast. I'm a veteran food and beverage journalist who worked with some of the most notable media outlets in the world. Feast and Fashion is an intersection of food and fashion, one beautiful plate or glass at a time. With each episode, I will introduce you to fascinating, fabulous people in the culinary industry. Today, Naomi Negron joins me. She's a one-woman powerhouse behind Buggy Pops, an artisanal popsicle shop based in Asheville, North Carolina. She's handcrafting everyone's favorite frosty summer treat in flavors like coconut cinnamon, key lime pie, and mango elderberry. You'll find her trike packed with up to 2,000 popsicles at a time. How exciting. Hi, everyone. My name is Naomi Negron, and I live and work out of Asheville, North Carolina. I'm up here at 2,200 feet elevation making popsicles. And I am making all sorts of flavors, and I work out of a commercial kitchen and sell them out of my little popsicle tricycle. Wait a minute. So you're on this little tricycle running around town? <laughs> I'm trying to Well, picture- unfortunately, since we live in the mountains, um, I don't get to ride it because once uh, it's filled with popsicles, it does weigh about 400 pounds. How many popsicles does your car carry at once? It can carry up to about 2,000. What? 2,000? Yeah. And you're making all these by yourself? Absolutely. Wow, 2,000 popsicles and you're riding this tricycle. I'm trying to picture you on this tricycle. Now, this is a woman who is, you're obviously very athletic, very much in shape, but my goodness, pushing around a tricycle with a card on it and 2,000 popsicles. That has got to be one heck of a workout, lady. (laughs) It really is. I'm very lucky to be very fit. Um, But also, once in a while, I have my daughter, who is my tiny helper. And believe it or not, she can push that trike just as well as I can. So that's pretty awesome. Okay. Let's talk about these flavors in Buggy Pops and how you came up with the whole concept. I mean, like I said, I am a huge Popsicle fan. I mean, who isn't during the summer? So talk about how you came up with this concept. So I actually took some time off in order to figure out what was next in my career. I don't tend to stay doing the same thing for too long. I just get bored and that's okay. So I wanted to continue my career with food, but what was going to happen? So since I'm not a fan of winter, I decided that I was going to live in Florida for six months by myself. It was Uh roughly five months. And every day I went to a popsicle shop and bought popsicles and I was spending a pretty penny. And then I was like, why am I spending so much money? I could just be making these. And um, I ate one popsicle in particular, which I believe they call coconut coconut. And Mm. it was nostalgia. I mean, usually I think nowadays we take a picture of our food before we eat it. And I, I took a picture of the stick that was left over because I ate it so quickly. But I I literally ate nostalgia. And it reminded me of when I was little and we would go to Puerto Rico to visit my grandma. And we would go, there was a neighbor that sold these, the universal name is Limber. And it can be any flavor. And they usually are sold in a tiny little paper Dixie cup. And back then, I'm going to show my age, they're 25 cents. I think now they're a dollar. I remember that I would eat this coconutty one that had cinnamon in it. 
And I just, that popsicle that I ate in Florida brought me back to that place. So the next day I ordered some molds and started playing around with recipes. Nice. And when you say molds, you're talking about the contraptions that you actually put the mixture in to freeze the popsicles. Now, are there different types of shapes for, for these contraptions? What do you call them? Right. We call them popsicle molds. And there are many yeah. different um, contraptions, sizes, shapes, textures. So you're talking about, and these are popsicle terms, I guess, but we, we count them by ounces or milliliters. Okay. And then they're the shapes are actually pretty traditional and they go A through about F. And, and from there, you're talking about metal molds, plastic molds, silicone molds. So it depends how into popsicles you get. Um, but, you know, you can buy certain ones just on the Internet or maybe a kitchen store. You can pick up something where you can make something very simple at home. But when you start moving into commercial grade, the molds can make on average about 40 to 60 popsicles per mold. And which ones do you use? So I use the ones that are what they call square or rectangle and large. <laughs> Just So those are the ones that I use. And the shape of them are pretty much a, a rectangle. They're pretty straight on the top. So there's so many shapes. You can kind of have round ones on the top uh, where your popsicle kind of goes out. Mine are pretty much a rectangle. How many can you make a day? Wow. So <laughs> what I wanted to say is that there's really a process of popsicle making where you can buy these crazy machines that use these special chemicals where you freeze your popsicles in just about 20 minutes. So there are people, big, big popsicle makers are making thousands of popsicles mm -hmm. a day. But my business is very small, clearly, since I'm the only employee. And I use a bit more of a traditional approach of filling the molds and putting them in a freezer. I do work out of a commercial kitchen where the freezer is negative three degrees and the popsicles do freeze in about an hour and a half, which in popsicle world, that's a long time. But what it does is the science of it, you will have a more homemade and traditional popsicle than you would, for example, something that you buy at the grocery store where if you think about one of those popsicles now, as I'm explaining this, and you were to take a bite of it, I know some people aren't popsicle biters. I know there's two different kinds of people. <laughs> Which one are you? But, um, I'm a little bit of both. Same, same. <laughs> and um, as you take a bite of it, you can kind of see all the lines of how the ice crystallized. With buggy pops, you won't find that because it's all freezing at the same time starting you know, from the outside in opposed to using the chemicals, it's almost like a flash freeze. And how many flavors do you have of Buggy Pops? Wow. So they <laughs> rotate. We kind of have the go-to flavors. Um, most people really love the traditional or the, the starter, the one that carries the story, which is a coconut cinnamon. Fan favorites are key lime pie, which has graham cracker crust in it, or maybe banana pudding with some vanilla wafer Ooh. in it. And then we have some other real specialty flavors because I collaborate a lot with other makers here in town. So for example, one of the flavors that I've recently made and made a very small batch is mango elderberry. So I cut and peel every single mango and then I cook down this elderberry syrup 
and I swirl it into the popsicle. So you're getting a mixture of this like orange and purple and it's really cool looking popsicle. Wow. Wow. Now I know you say you're in Asheville, North Carolina, so that's pretty much where you can get it in that area, but where exactly can people get it when they're in Asheville? Where can people find these popsicles? They sound so delicious. Thank you so much. So we're fortunate enough to have many farmer's markets in our town. So you can find them at farmer's markets. You can find them at some wholesalers within town. You can also book a private event if you'd like to get your own. But I love it. I just love getting these popsicles into anyone's hands. So if anybody wants to, if they're in town, they want to reach out, I'll come and drive a few to your hotel room. So I'm trying to picture you at a special event with your popsicles. Are they usually like weddings? And at the end of the wedding, all of a sudden here you come on your trike and then you're handing out the popsicles. How how does this usually work when you're doing them at special events? Everybody has something different. So for example, um, you can have the tricycle at your wedding and it can be there the entire time or just show up for dessert time. But also one of the options that in the summertime people are really excited about is just having a cooler filled with popsicles that their uh, guests can enjoy. So just like you would at a barbecue where you open the cooler and you help yourself to maybe a can of beer or a bottle of water, I will go and set up a cooler where your guests, you and your guests can just open it up and help yourselves to popsicles. Speaking of beer, do you ever put a little booze in any of the popsicles? So I don't put any booze in the popsicles, but I am fortunate enough again to live in a city where we have just about 40 or more breweries. And so I do collaborations. I recently did a collaboration with a brewery here in town where I made a grilled peach popsicle and paired it with one of their beers and so literally popped the popsicle into your beer. Oh my goodness. What what does that taste like? Deliciousness. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. So you're it really was a, a popsicle that was complementing the beer. I mean, in the same way that you would have a glass of red wine with a steak, right? So it's the same idea. But um, think root beer float without the root. Now, how do you come up with these different flavor profiles? Because when you talked about that, the mango and how you killed them all all yourself, all by hand, and you paired that with what flavor again was that? elderberry elderberry i mean how who comes up with mango and elderberry that's unique i love it so i want to know how you come up with these flavor profiles are you testing this out in your family how how do you do this so i'm lucky enough to work in a commercial kitchen where everyone loves popsicles (laughs) so i do test a lot of things on them we do have fails just like anyone else Um, i tried to make a sweet tea one that did not go so well really Uh, i'm still Yeah, I'm still tweaking it. You lose a lot of the tea flavor once it freezes. So I'm still tweaking it. I'm going to figure it out. I can't wait um, to have that popsicle. I think that'll be so refreshing in the summer, in a hot, any hot day. Who doesn't love sweet tea, right? Absolutely. So I'm also trying to picture, because I, I also feel like the sweet tea, the texture of it will be a lot different than, say, some of your other popsicles. So is that probably one of the issues you're having, trying to get that that right texture with it as well as the flavor? 
Yeah, texture is definitely something I'm constantly playing with. So that's why a lot of my flavors are milk-based, non-dairy milk-based, because I do try to make sure I have um, different offerings for people who might be gluten-free or vegan. So it's, you know, I play with all different kinds of profiles, but anything, fruit has pectin. So uh, naturally it's going to be thicker. Uh, some of the fruits, if you also cook them, think making a jam, um, the way you would make strawberry jam is very similar to how I make a strawberry popsicle in order to bring all that pectin out and make it all that mushiness that just really ends up making somewhat of a naturally creamy popsicle without it having any milk in it. So yeah, the sweet tea, I will have to play around with it and have to play with some of the elements and maybe introduce, introduce something else that would give it that texture, maybe more lemon juice and play around with the pH of it. I would think that one of your biggest places for sales would be the farmer's market and you would get a lot of inspiration from there as well. Absolutely. I can't keep saying this enough. I'm so fortunate to live in this town um, where there are so many makers. There are so many wonderful makers. And for example, the elderberry that I use is local elderberry. Although I do grow my own elderberries and grow lots of things that sometimes I can put into the popsicles, such as my own herbs or mint, uh, different kinds of things. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with people and be surrounded by people who are also very creative and very inspired, as well as local farmers who can provide with different things and different things that you wouldn't think, like maybe a sweet potato, a Japanese sweet potato popsicle. Did you make that? I'm working on one. That is unique. What made you think to do, uh, do a sweet potato one? It's so sweet. It's so naturally sweet. And as you cook it, the sweetness keeps coming out. So as I keep cooking it and I've been double baking them, the sweeter and sweeter they get and they just turn into a puree and it freezes beautifully with a little bit of almond milk in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. In order to bring actually more texture into it. So it, it, it barely needs it. It's sweet in itself. I mean, it's nature's candy. It's wonderful. That sounds like something that I would totally be into during the Thanksgiving holiday as well. I love sweet potato pie. So I would be all over that one. And going back to your question about inspiration, I mean, not only from makers, but just kind of watching what people like. People want to eat things that bring them back home, whatever home is. And that is exactly why I started this business. That popsicle brought me home. It brought me to a place where I was, you know, I, I saw my sweet little innocent self and the way we look at children. And I was able to see that from about myself from an outsider point of view, which was really amazing. Those are the kinds of things. It's listening to people and hearing what people like. You know, people just love nostalgia. They love to think about their family. They love to think about home, loved ones being loved. And I think that you can really capture that in food and be able to bring people places with food. Now, how much of your personal style goes into this whole, into your whole venture? A lot of it. <laughs> so my, my style is definitely, you know, I'm somebody who really cares about people and customer service is number one. Um, and with that, I also have this kind of like, life is short, let's have fun. So a lot of times what's happening is, I mean, my motto really is, it's just popsicles. Life doesn't have to be so serious. So let's have fun. Let's eat fun food. Let's 
gather. Let's just have fun. It's just popsicles. I mean, what can what can go wrong? I mean, it doesn't get more fun taking you back to your childhood than popsicles. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love your model. Yeah. So I wanted to showcase one of my popsicles and it's specifically the coconut cinnamon. I know that some people on the other side won't be able to see it, but I definitely will be able to let everyone know uh, what it what it's like. And I just wanted to be able to showcase that a little bit. So would it be okay if I brought out my Absolutely. coconut cinnamon pop? I just want to get an idea too of what to expect here. And I want to see the wrapping so I can describe that. Okay. Describe the wrapping. So pretty much everything with Buggy Pops was going to be simple and clean was really what I was going for. I didn't want anything too busy. I really wanted to showcase the popsicles. So it's clear packaging with a big giant round circle black sticker with, you know, just our logo Buggy Pops handcrafted with love and our, our little logo on the sticker. And I handwrite every single popsicle I hand write the flavor on it so this one's coconut cinnamon and it may seem pretty unassuming because I think a lot of times we eat with our eyes that this popsicle is white but once you take a closer look you'll see that they're little tiny brown specks and those little tiny brown specks are the cinnamon that's in them and once you take a bite that's when the magic happens so this one is a little melty which is great as you can go straight for a bite, but it is so creamy. It has coconut milk, cream of coconut, a little salt to bring out the flavors, a hint of cinnamon. And it is just simple and clean and refreshing. And just, it makes me feel like home. And I really hope that anyone who gets to enjoy this popsicle can appreciate the amount of love that goes into every single one of these. I love that one. What's the other one that you have? Oh, yeah. Take another bite. (laughs) The other one I brought was the one we've been talking about is a mango elderberry. Oh, look at all the colors. I love the swirl in there. The mango, you can see the mango and you can see the red of the elderberry. And they're just swirled perfectly. You can almost get a taste of each flavor at every bite, correct? Yeah, what makes it fun too is that all of them are different. So because I make every single one by hand, the way they kind of fall into the mold is just how they fall in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always kind of fun too. To You might find one that has way more mango on the top mm-hmm. or way more elderberry on the top. And, and then you're able to, you know, everyone has different preferences. Some people like a little bit of everything at once and other people really love having all the mango at first and then the elderberry at last. So this popsicle is a completely different experience because you are getting that creaminess that comes naturally from a mango, a mango puree. But in between, you're getting this elderberry flavor, which has ginger and cinnamon and clove in it. So it's a little bit of spring meets fall, if anything. Um, so this popsicle is really fun because you have all sorts of flavors that really almost confuse the palate and at the <laughs> same time, really excite it. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes, I can tell. I can, I'm can. i looking at it and I'm seeing all these deep flavors in there, all these deep colors. And the bite that you took was definitely a bite of both flavors, the elderberry and the mango. Aren't you the lucky one? <laughs> <laughs> The best part is when 
when there's just a little bit of mix left over and I make these, uh, you know, what I call the half popsicles. And those are the ones we get to eat when um, <laughs> I have a box in the kit in their freezer that just says free and the kids run in. And the first thing they do is go to the, go to the box and grab whatever's in there. So your kids must be thrilled to have popsicles at all time, any time of the year, right there at home. So I only have one child and actually her name since the day I found out that she was in the womb was Buggy. So Buggy Pops oh. is actually a play on my daughter as well as a play on the fact that I have a buggy that I sell popsicles out of. But believe it or not, she doesn't like popsicles. Wow. What's up with that? This is like the fine dining chef whose kids only like French fries. <laughs> Does she not like ice cream either? She likes ice cream, but she much rather a chocolate chip cookie any day. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> going back to the, the culinary point, what you were just saying, the chef, how much training did you have to take in order to get all these flavor profiles correctly to make sure you know everything's balancing out. You talked about the, the salt that you had to put in one to really balance out the sweetness in one popsicle. Obviously, you've gotten some training somewhere from somewhere, whether it was at home, um, you know, back in Puerto Rico or, or professionally. So I, I just love food. I really do. I am self-appointed foodie for sure. And most of the experience does come from just eating, experimenting, practicing, learning, also hearing a lot about science because cooking really is not just an art, but a science. Mm -hmm. And then I have worked, um, I did work at a donut shop for three years where I learned a lot about flavors and that was a great experience. But I also worked for a um, major grocery chain where I did learn a lot about food and different kinds of food. That was an experience where I never had a dragon fruit. I never had an opportunity and there I was able to eat lots of different things that I had never tried before. So really just training myself and I'm self-taught. I didn't go to school to be uh, any kind of, I don't have any professional training. It is all in my kitchen and in my mouth. So you're basically having a bunch of science experiments at home. Absolutely. <laughs> our, our freezer is constantly filled with lots of science experiments. What is the wackiest flavor profile you've ever put together? Mm, I really thought that I could make a lemon cheesecake. It doesn't work. Really? <laughs> yeah, so for some reason, uh, maybe it has to do with timing or temperature, and it could be an experiment I keep trying. Maybe this is my most failed, not my most wackiest, but definitely my most failed. And what just happened was it curdled my milk. Oh, you don't want that. Yeah. No, and I learned the hard way. I had to taste it, right? So I learned the hard way. You're not going to stop, though, because that sounds absolutely delicious. Oh, no, we'll keep going. We'll definitely <laughs> keep trying new things. But everybody loves blueberry cheesecake and strawberry cheesecake. So sometimes you don't need to fix anything if it's not broken. Right, right. Okay, so that is the wackiest one. What's the one you're most proud of? For sure, coconut cinnamon. It is my signature, but I really love the way I've been able to capture and bring in other elements such as maybe the pumpkin cheesecake. So it's super, super creamy and has cream cheese and heavy milk and all of these very heavy fat dairy things in it. 
And then it has this wonderful graham cracker crunch, the crust. I make a crust and then I break it down in the food processor and then I incorporate it into each popsicle. So as you're eating it, you're still getting that crunch in there. After making that popsicle, I really learned how to make things, like I said earlier, banana pudding with Nutella, with Nilla crackers in it, or perhaps like key lime pie with some graham cracker crust in it. So it's been fun to incorporate cookies. I also make a cookies and cream that has an entire Oreo cookie in it. Oh my goodness. See, I'm in Chicago, as you know, and I haven't seen anything like that here. So, I mean, kudos to you for doing this and just keep experimenting and experimenting and finding unique flavor profiles and just doing the thing. So I am so proud of you, Naomi. Thank you so much. It was a crazy idea and it's working. <laughs> it's happening. And it's really exciting to be able to share all of this, all of my experiments and be able to share all of my experiences through to through food. And that part is the part that excites me the most. How competitive is the popsicle market and the, the type, the way you're doing it with the artisan way? Not very competitive at all. So there really aren't that many makers. I'm um, sure there are some big players, um, just like I think any market. There are some really big players in Florida, um, in Atlanta. There's in the big cities like New York and LA. I'm surprised that you don't have a big player in Chicago yet. Uh, wink, wink. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But it actually is a really small community, and it's a really wonderful community. I have to say that um, through social media, I've been able to make some really wonderful connections with other popsicle makers, and we are all helping each other out. We help each other with questions, with products, with shipping, materials, all sorts of things. We're all really helping each other out, and it's really a beautiful and wonderful community. Wow, that's great, because it's even though it's small, you know how people are, you know, this is my turf. So to hear that people are coming together who are doing exactly the same thing or similar projects that they're willing to help somebody else who's doing it who could be a competitor and knock them out of business. So that's that's good to hear that you guys are a tight knit community. That's awesome. Naomi, I uh, thank you again for joining me on this podcast on the feasts and fashion podcast. This has been a pleasure. Like I said, I love popsicles. You're making my mouth water thinking about all the different flavors. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. And if you're in Asheville, you know where to find me. Well, that does it for this episode. I want to thank my guest, Naomi DeGron of Buggy Pops, again for joining me. We're back next Friday with another outstanding, talented, and of course, stylish culinary personality you don't want to miss. Thank you so much for listening to Peace and Fashion on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. I'm your host, Adasha Townsend. Meet me back here next Friday.